0: UMass fans on your tweets and make some noise for your podcaster. Well, can you believe what's going on in the Atlantic 10 today? I remember when Penn State was in the Atlantic 10.
1: (laughs) And he rips him down, he puts him in his seat, and he looks at him and goes, that was fucking hilarious, but you really just got to shut up. I think I'd rather die in nuclear war than go to (laughs) Olean.
0: Okay. Good evening. This is your host of the UMass Basketball Podcast, Curry and Sage, coming to you live from New York City. I am joined as always by my dynamic producer, Mr. Bennett Carroll, in our nation's capital. Not with us this evening is our increasingly more sporadic co host, Andrew Caligi, AKA A. Caligi, for longtime listeners. Tonight's pod is a special episode in which we have. An all-time guest on for an extremely online subset of UMass fans. Those who are familiar with the UMassHoops.com message board will be pleased to know that uh, its proprietor Mike Mike UMA on the boards will be with us tonight for an interesting, fun conversation, jogging uh, our memories a little bit on that one. The I announced that only a little while ago, so I didn't get a ton of questions from you all, which is a little unfortunate, but I think. Um, his his appearance will fill in uh, the blanks, so to speak. There's not much to talk about this week in terms of uh, UMass basketball with that we haven't done after the, haven't already done in that short episode last week after the Temple game. The team does take on Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, featuring Mike Holloway, Rashawn's brother. No word on whether or not Rashawn will play. I've heard he will, so that will be fun. To see Holloway v Holloway on Friday at three thirty. I actually would have come up for the game if it was a night game, but I can't get and I could have got out of work at like three thirty four, but I can't get up there for a three thirty start. I'm kind of pissed. Do you know if it was always a three thirty start, Bennett? I'm kind of pissed that it's uh, uh, on a Friday. Yeah, I
1: have absolutely no idea.
0: It just fucking sucks, man. Like I can't get up to a three thirty game on a Friday. I mean, it's just I don't and I don't even. I guess some people get out early that day because of work, or whatever, but. To me, it just seems like kids, are, I presume, are still in school. So I don't know. It's, um, this,
1: it's this Friday?
0: Yeah, 3.30. I think it'll I just, be right
1: when finals are ending. So, like,
0: no, I don't mean students. I mean, like, kids in oh, elementary schools and whatever. Oh, that I I, mean, I just, like I just that. mean, like, I, I just, I get it. It's like, you know, people start traveling that weekend or whatever. But I just feel like, why not have a night game on Friday night? You'll get a bunch of people who are home from break and visiting family and whatever and frankly had they beaten temple after that providence loss i think you get a huge crowd for a night a night game before break anyway whatever it's annoying i'm uh i'll watch it but it means i won't get to the mall center during non-conference play which sucks all right so not much to talk about on that front should be a umass win but the way things have gone this year you just don't know Uh, and then of course georgia uh, nine days later so this is kind of that uh strange time in the season where there's just two games over basically an 18 day stretch and uh that's why we brought mike on tonight where all things are a little calmer um and other things in umass athletics this week walt bell new football coach is uh really humming on the recruiting trail apparently he's picked up a couple three-star kids and brought a really good energy to the program so that's exciting we are trying to get him on the show. Hope he will. Um, I've, I've sort of made the pitch on Twitter, and I'm hoping he will come on. And then UMass hockey just continues to be an absolute behemoth. Are they
1: number one in the country, Bennett? They're number two. Uh, after number they, two. They split the series with Quinnipiac. They dropped no, they, number two.
0: No, but then, they, but then, but that that's when they dropped the two. But then they beat Yale a few days later, and yeah. I thought no, they no, might they're, have. They're
1: still two. Uh, Bucci has them as his number one, but that's not a real bowl. That's Bucci.
0: Okay, but so they stayed at two even after the Yale win the next week. Yes. Okay.
1: Unless I, well, unless I missed something, which is possible, I was traveling all week last Monday, but I'm about 95 percent sure they're still number two. Yeah,
0: this is that. This is definitely that weird time on the on the collegiate sports calendar where there just feels like this. There's this odd
1: lull. Yeah, they're number two. St. Cloud State is number one with 41st place votes. UMass is second with nine first place votes.
0: Okay. All right, and speaking of that lull, it's. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's been more pronounced for me because I've just been, there hasn't been a single weekend basketball game at the Mullen Center, um, which is just really tough for the fairly large contingent of UMass fans and season ticket holders who do not live, uh, you know, within an hour of the Mullen Center. Anyway, let's get to the Mike interview and uh, we'll talk to you all probably sometime next week. Folks, Uh, this is an interview I've wanted to do for a long, long time. And I want to provide some context here because there's a lot of you out there who may not be familiar with sort of the origins of uh, modern day UMass online fan culture. And I think this is going to be an essential kind of history lesson for some and then also just a hilarious trip down memory lane for others. Quick context uh, 13 years ago, this week, I joined UMasshoops.com. I'm not going to tell you what my username is. If you really want to know, DM me. It's not hard to figure out if you poke around there for a little while and figure out who joined in Dece- mid-December of 2005. This is long before Twitter even existed and much longer before UMass Twitter was a thing, which is really quite recent in many ways. That message board was the place to be if you're an extremely online umass fan it basically completely drove the conversation for many years it also introduced me to so many people one of whom i'm lucky to call a friend and tonight's guest there is no doubt in my mind that this show and this sort of sage persona exists without mike federer and the site he started some two decades ago so mike it is my absolute, Mike UMA, for those of you who've been on the boards, it is my absolute pleasure to have you on the program tonight. Hey and gentlemen, how are you doing? Great to have you, Mike. And there's something about the internet and memory, I was just, these are just my opening thoughts that I was writing down as I was coming on from work tonight, that you just don't really have one on the internet. I, I can't say I recall how I found my way to your site, I know it was Travis Ford's First year back, I was a college sophomore uh, out in the Midwest at the time, and I was invigorated by Travis's hire seven or eight months earlier when I was a college freshman at a smaller school in the Northeast. And I was home on spring break, and I went to the—I uh, don't know what it was—I was just maybe I was yearning for home, and I went to the in, to the you know opening press or, uh opening press conference at, at the cage, and then I just somehow seven eight months later found my way to the board. And that was, that was 05, 06 season. Um, And I I couldn't tell you how I ended up there. I just, I found it somehow and I did. And I posted, and I posted and I posted some more thousands of times in total. I, I have so many lessons I've learned on that board. And I just want to thank you in part for providing that, crazy home and still doing it to this day I still post periodically um but I I learned I think I learned how to disagree in a civil way with people also learned how to talk a lot of shit too um I learned to embrace certain quirks of my own self and just be like whatever it's cool I'm on this this board now it might be a little strange but that's where I want to spend some of my time a lot of my time and I'm 33 now, and from basically ages 19 or 20 to now, I've lived in a bunch of cities, held a bunch of different careers, gotten married, had a kid. UMass Hoops is one of the lone things that have been here through it all. And Mike, I, I know I've thanked you already, but thank you again. And uh, tell us just how it all came to be.
2: All right. Well, thank you for that intro. And that takes me down to memory lane myself and yeah for hearing that from guys like you is is making what my hobby was you know it it makes it that much more fun and yeah this was a hobby and it's always been a hobby and geez if it could pay the bills I would certainly quit my day job and, and do this full time but you know this is certainly a hobby not the real gig but yeah this has been my thing since uh, really, I am, and I'm dating myself here, but you know, I, I went to school at UMass, and I was there at the absolute best time to be a UMass basketball fan. I, I got onto campus in the fall of 91, and that's just when things were really starting to get cooking. The prior year was when Calipari brought Jim McCoy and Harper Williams and Anton Brown to this uh the NIT Final Four as it was. You know, they didn't make it to the, the championship. They didn't bring home that final trophy, but you knew that things were cooking and things were going in the right direction. And from ninety one to ninety five I was I was part of it and yeah that was a really fun time
0: to be a college basketball fan. So that's when you're at UMass, but I'll I I didn't even get the internet until 97 or 98 98 some friends had it in like 96 early versions I presume there was virtually no internet when you were I mean it's it's pretty amazing for younger people but like there was no internet yet when you were on campus so how does it how do you then
2: yeah it, remember- it was it was pretty bad so my junior year um, I had a, a computer I mean in this day and age it was a complete piece of crap but at the time, you, you had a dial-up modem, and me and one of the guys I was sharing a house with, we, uh, we got onto this thing called America Online, and that was one of the very, very early starts of getting onto the internet, and that was even before the web really became a thing, um, but when the UMass basketball thing kind of got started is when I graduated um, obviously, I still had the Jones for the team. I had I had moved down to Connecticut after graduation, and how you keep following this team, and and when you're two hours away and you're out of the the radio range and you're out of the TV range is is you're looking at the birth of of ESPN on the internet and trying to get a live score at back in that time was was really really challenging. So what I started to do was just playing with the capabilities and and i created a very very basic web page but keeping the the scoreboard of what the team was doing that year that was the 95 96 year that year and obviously we made it to the final four and the team was doing absolutely bonkers beating top 25 teams left and right and you know the the jones was still there to keep track of the team follow what they were doing and then See what Lou Rowe was doing in his first year in the NBA and um so I, I made a page for keeping the scores updated and and we started doing this page what at the time was called a guest book. You know, you could That's if right. you if you found the page at all, which was incredibly challenging, the 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 way to find that sucker was really hard. But I have still guys who are on the website today um, who found that guest book and you know posted a message and that's what turned into the message board we could post messages and, and talk about the the team and it was really archaic when you look back at it but you know that was the the birth of kind of interacting with other fans no matter where they were as long as they were plugged in and and could find the page. That's
0: where we started building this crazy community. So does that board still, whatever that looked like, does that still exist somewhere?
2: I think I've got a couple of saved pages for how it looked. It's probably on some hard drive that I have somewhere in my house, but uh, I got to check and see if I can find it because it's almost comical what that thing looked like these days. But it worked, and and that's what grew and turned into this monster that's still alive
0: today. So the message board, when you're on there now, the earliest members, uh, it says, you know, members, because it says next to your 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 handle, member since 03 for the earliest people. But you're talking '96, and, and I understand there was even a slightly more advanced intermediate phase between that really rudimentary one you described and the one, the dawn of the 03 one. What, what was the intermediate phase? Or maybe I'm wrong, but I've long heard no, that you're there right. was. A... So yeah, tell so... me about the one before the 03 version that is sort of the, you ma- still the sort of same building blocks of the one we the one we see today.
2: Yeah. So we're on maybe, I guess you could call it version four or version five. So it, it went from the the guestbook page on AOL, which I think the total file size that you could do for your entire website was two megabytes in total before you hit your your wall of of amount of space. So I, as that Final Four team kept going through the season, and as people kept finding uh, the guestbook page, I, I kept having to to delete and and open the file up again because it kept hitting that that massive two megabyte wall and that's just comical these days i mean that's not even one song when you put it on your phone but <laughs> so there was the guest book and then we found another provider and i think we did two different providers which you know allowed it to be used by more people but it was completely open no no kind of registration you know you posted what you say your name was at the end of the message but people could spoof you and um, the anonymity was total and and it got kind of nasty cuz that's when Yukon was real good too so we would get Yukon yeah. fans trash talking and the the place just got unruly so i kept looking for a you know what's the next best thing what can i get on there to to allow people to register and and say who they were and you know not allow people to impersonate each other so we had a couple of those intermediaries but then yeah 2003 i found i guess what is still today the the software that powers the board whatever they call it phpbb i think it is but yeah we installed it back in 2003 and and i've changed web hosts a couple of times but we've we've always been able to maintain that history so yeah you see people back from joining in 03 and we've got thousands and thousands of posts you know yourself included at this point so all that is still there
0: and then some years back maybe i don't know 3 4 years back it's, hard. it's again like memory on the internet just doesn't doesn't it doesn't fully register it somehow but uh i remember some years back all of a sudden everyone woke up one day and it was like if they had 6000 posts it was down to 4000 it was a big thing because in many ways you know and there was a certain subset of fan who would uh you know try to like do one line posts and they'd have like 18,000 to their name and there'd be a perverse measure of pride in in their number of posts but then one day we woke up and it was like 18,000 to 10,000 or 4,000 to 2,000 do, do you know what I'm talking about
2: yeah i think so i think again because there were so many posts and i was just retaining everything i think at some point i had to kind of prune the bushes so to speak and get rid of some of the old posts but I certainly did that in in some of the other forums that I had done for other UMass sports, football, hockey, et cetera. Um, but I don't think I ever pruned the UMass basketball men's basketball section. You know, I wanted to retain as much of that as possible, but I certainly trimmed the fat from some of the other sections, which probably explains that.
0: Did that take you a long time to do, or was it like just a sort of a a, a rinse and repeat type thing?
2: Yeah, you go in and you find a setting and you say delete everything in this particular subset forum from three under 65 whatever days, two years, five years ago, and, and it does the rest. Everything's tagged with a date. So, yeah, it, it gets rid of the old stuff.
0: All right. So let's let's segue a little out of the sort of technical side of things here and get into some of the history of this board because it really was um, – I mean, the epicenter, and, and still in many ways, is for, for a certain type, uh, I would say, a certain age of fan who hasn't adopted Twitter, such a, a central place for UMass fans. Is it true, and this predates my joining in 05, is it true that Lapis wanted to do some sort of live chat or or like sort of was trying to negotiate something with, you know, with the early iteration of a live chat with, with fans? Yeah. Um, that-
2: yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because it is hundred percent true. We did that in I think it was February two thousand four. Um, so Lapis was there four years and in year three things were not going well and I I had pulled up the the results, but we ended up in the O three, oh four season. We finished ten and nineteen and four and twelve in the A ten and that was pretty darn awful. But Lapis was feeling the heat, and and the coaching staff was feeling the heat because we were not making progress. In fact, we were regressing. You know, he took over, and we were thirteen and sixteen, and then eleven and eighteen, and then you know, it was ten wins that third year. And yeah, by February, he was feeling the heat. So at the time, the place to talk about UMass basketball, you know, if you weren't in the local diner or the bar or rafters, whatever it was if you were on the internet, you know, not to brag, but my place was the place to do that. There was no Twitter, there was no Facebook. Um, So my place was the place to do that. And he knew of the forum. Um, I had, you know, run into him. Coincidentally, we were down at NC State, Uh, we were there to, to watch the team play NC State. And we literally just ran into him walking across the street from the hotel. And I introduced myself. And yeah, he certainly knew of the website. But couple years later um he reached out and said look if you guys want to do some sort of uh interactive thing where I'll take questions I'm willing to face the fire and you know to his credit he did he certainly didn't have to I didn't ask I didn't initiate it but he said hey if you want to open things up and we'll do a talk with the fans let's do it so I partnered with at the time was Bob Beeler the radio guy and we set up kind of a one way call in show so to speak but we we broadcasted it over streaming audio and we took some live questions and we did it real-
0: for over an hour yeah and this is before i don't see it's amazing cuz i was a senior in high school that year and i guess i just they were so bad that i guess i just kind of had was a little checked out and not cuz i only heard about this much later and that was before podcasting was even a thing so what what was the I mean just the technical setup? Like was did you have to go to Bob's studio at WHMP or like how did that work?
2: So I remember it was after a a women's game where Bob Beeler came in and, and his whole um board setup, his his radio setup was there. But I'm pretty sure at the time um listening to UMass games over the internet was a thing. It yeah, certainly it wasn't right. video, but it it, it was pretty audio, cool. so so Bob set up his thing and, um, we established, you know, the, the equivalent of a live stream at the time. And we told people, Hey, on this day and this time we're going to get it started. So it was, it was Bob kind of moderating, um, coach Lapis was obviously the, the guest and, uh, I had the third microphone. I was the, the color commentator, so to speak, and trying to, to maintain a, a laptop where people were throwing in questions and, uh, yeah, we we did it, and again, to his credit, he didn't have to, but he did.
0: He, he faced the fire. And so, did you, these questions were coming in in real time on the board, and you're like re- you're reading them effectively.
2: Yeah, we had some that that came in beforehand, and uh, we tried to take some live. And we had a lot of people throwing in questions, and I was trying to moderate and listen to his answers at the same time, and trying to keep my head straight. But yeah, we had a mix of both.
0: So that obviously is an instance of what, uh, of when you interacted uh, quite well with the athletic department and everybody was on the same page and it sort of worked out. But um, you were, especially in that area. UMass Athletics was kind of, a, certainly basketball that year was really rock bottom. What was your interaction or your, what was your relationship with the athletic department itself like? And, you know, the way I always recall it is like, you kind of, my sense was they knew exactly what was going on. They were aware that this was a place fans were and this was driving the conversation. And I've had, you know, ex managers tell me off the record that they were tasked with monitoring the boards just to gauge fan sentiment. But it's still, you know, message board culture had all these, you know, was kind of fraught with all these, you know, issues of anonymity and just shit talking and whatever what was your relationship like or what has it been like over the years um, with the various regimes that have led UMass athletics? Have there been tensions? Have there been, you know, has it mostly been hospitable? Do they treat you like a member of the press? Like what's the dynamic at play?
2: Yeah. So in the early days, as I was getting the the website going and the board going again, that was the only place for the, the UMass sports community to come together and there were a couple of different sites that, that tried to do things. You know, I, I certainly remember back in the day, mass live used to have a ton of comments over, (laughs) over the articles that they had. And yeah, that, that stuff was pretty awful.
0: They had a message board. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah,
2: as you said, you know, people obviously knew where my community was and that was the place to talk about it. And, um, where the dialogue was that's that's where they had to look and that's where they could get a pulse of the fan base you know that was before facebook before twitter before any other place where where people can go and
0: you know express their comments that was the place but i mean like today ryan bamford or or mccall they can kind of you know that they're sort of aware of what people are saying because they're on twitter people are mentioning them right like it's hold on one second uh people are you know sending them messages all the time and so they sort of ha- can't help but be cognizant of it with message boards you could at least feign as if you were sort of above it and not aware did you ever have a direct was there like an awkward tension or direct you know in terms of direct contact with the administrators and, and coaches themselves so where they tried to say hey like that thing's bullshit, you should push back. Because, you know, as a moderator, you're, you're sort of playing wearing a lot of hats, and I'm just curious about how those things played out.
2: Yeah, you're right, and, and I never answered your question. But from, from way back when I started, 95, 96, um, the UMass basketball webpage itself, linked to my page as as one of the places to get updates i'm like wait a second you guys are the updates you should be doing this (laughs) yourselves but yeah so that was one of the the media relations guys at umass and and he's long since moved on to another job but the the media relations guys as i guess my stuff could have been perceived as media so you know they they gave me the the courtesy of, of keeping me in the loop and uh it was it was them who set up the lapis thing in 2004. So yeah, they always had a a, a good relationship with me, and 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 they knew what my place was. We weren't going to pull any punches because we didn't have to. We didn't answer to anybody. We certainly weren't the official um, page of UMass basketball. We were the fan community, and the fans are are going to call out the BS when they see it and criticize the coaches when they see it. So it was kind of a you know they are out there. They're doing what they're doing. And but outside of the lapis thing, you know the the coaching staff, um, they know that. Uh, I think one of the expressions is if you start listening to the fans, you end up sitting with them, or, or however that goes. But yeah, they they knew we were there, but uh, they did you know extend me some courtesies and and hooked me up with with press pass from time to time whenever I asked. You know they were always willing to do it. So. I tried to keep the tone between me and them, you know, obviously above the board. People who are using the forum and the message board, yeah, they're gonna get nasty, but they're just a person expressing their opinion. I was trying to do it respectfully with uh obviously the department and, and the coaching staff. And you know, as things have gone on, yeah, the internet has grown and, and the voices are out there, but uh we tried to keep it in a positive way.
0: So you know, message boards became, you know, by kind of the mid aughts, let's say, message board college, college athletics message boards were becoming big business and rivals and dot com and scout dot com were acquiring a lot of these sites and they were pay services. And, and I think one of them sold for like one hundred million dollars to Yahoo. Did Was there ever uh, offers uh to, to acquire yours because I mean one of the the joys about UMass hoops I think is is its um, independence and it's uh, even just its its aesthetic it looks kind of old school in many ways it's pretty simple and that's why I like it but did you ever have offers to get purchased by uh, any any of the bigger companies that were doing this
2: yeah I, I did a few times um, rivals certainly reached out and geez I don't even remember back the other players from back in the day but yeah they did they recognized that there was a a very active user base and that's what they coveted. They wanted people talking, people visiting the page. And, um, I said, thanks, but I really want to keep my own control. And like you said, you know, my website has never been visually appealing. It's certainly not stylish. Um, and I could have been, you know, cashing out and, and selling ads with rivals network or whoever it is, but no, I always wanted to maintain my own control of, uh, you know being able to not have to answer to the man and not having to to post a number of articles every so often No, i just wanted it on my own terms so i always said no
0: i love that so let's get into some of the, some of the feuds on the board cuz i think i think that's uh one of the the memories that you know the when people think of these sites like there's just so many characters who frequented it some who came for a year or two or several months, others who, who, who are still there 15 years later. Are there any classic arguments? I mean, because sometimes th- they, these arguments got out of control and would just go on and on. And it's not like Twitter where you could, you know, people would, would take their time and respond at length point by point. T- talk to me about some of the all-time most toxic uh, arguments that, that, you know, took over the board for days, months, weeks, whatever at a time.
2: Yeah. So one of the reasons why I adopted the, the software format that we currently have is the ability where I can pull the plug on somebody. I can, I can kill their profile. I can lock them out and I really don't want to do that. But sometimes there's people who just don't understand, look, don't make it personal, man. This is not life and death. We're talking about UMass basketball here. For some people, it, it becomes a obsession and a passion and uh, they just cross the line and, I can't remember, you know, exactly the feuds, but I definitely know that I've had to pull the plug on some people. And and, uh, (laughs) I've never had a situation where someone's physically threatening me, but uh, I've gotten a couple of nasty emails from people like, I can't believe you turned me off and curse word, curse word. And you're the board police curse word, curse word. And uh, it's gotten a little heated, but I think at the end of the day, you know, pulling the plug on somebody and maybe restoring them later on gives them a chance to take a breath and like, all right, really, what am I getting so upset about here?
0: So you talk about, you know, taking a breath. And that's actually what I was asking about. Were there particular arguments that people were having, not even where you had to kick people off, just, just where, where did it get toxic? Was it around, uh, you know, the hiring of of a certain coach? Was it around the anger after a certain game? And, yeah, go, yeah ahead. go ahead. No, no, there no, you go. go ahead. Well, so answer that because then I have I have an, uh, sort of a fun follow-up. If you if you can't remember any off the top of your head, I, I went and found some before the show. <laughs> yeah. So
2: obviously when you're winning, that solves everyone's problems. When you're not doing well and you can look through the the archives of our scoreboard and you can see where the seasons where we're not doing well is when the most arguments are coming up. And like I said before, I didn't answer to the program. I had no responsibility to do so, but as they were the, the school that I supported, I was probably trying to toe the line a little more positively than, than some of the people on the board. And uh, when we were losing, that's when it got nasty, you know, and that's one of the reasons why Lapis came on when he did is, is he heard the, the tone of the board and it was getting rough and, what he said was, look, I'll answer any questions. I'll be honest about it. And um, if it's not working out, he said, look, I'll, and I, now that we're talking about it, I remember this. He said, look, at the end of, of this year or next year, whatever it was, he said, if it's, if it's not working, I'll blow it up and and we'll start again. And I think uh, the end of next year he was gone, but uh, that's, that's when it was always the most nasty when, We weren't playing well when things weren't looking good and um just the the optimism was gone that's when it was the
0: worst what are some of the recurring fights uh that you you think like i always notice there are certain fights on umass hoops that just over the years it's like and there's a new batch of people coming through who may not have seen that the previous iterations of the same fight one is always about you know attendance figures right like who to blame for low attendance. That's always a thing. So yeah. That's an, one of the attendance. constants. Yep. Yeah. And, and so uh, what are some others that are just, that you just always see?
2: Uh, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with uh, that first one right there is, is student apathy. And, you know, it's, it's continuing to be a problem and, and you see kids go and, and if it's free t-shirt night, they'll grab their shirt and they'll turn around and they'll walk out and they'll go back and, all the old timers that are on the board are like, "WTF? What is your problem?" Back in, <laughs> we'll do the "get off my lawn" back in my day uh, speeches about, uh, "Hey, we we got our free T-shirt and we were glad to have it."
0: Uh, and,
2: but and, the, yeah, and the best that, thing that's is definitely those,
0: the most one. Those are the same people who would have been, you know, often if you look, because the board's been around long enough. People who in two thousand seven would have been like, you know bitching about it would have been defending students right like well we aren't good so that's why people go now are the same ones who will <laughs> attack students um i always i think one of the classics that i found before tonight was um the thread after the charlotte loss in 2008 and it's an amazing masterclass in what your site has has been so great for which is just these Unmitigated venting sessions after disasters, losses, and that's in the in the last ten or eleven years. That's that's definitely, I think the the was the toughest loss we've ever endured. We've talked about that on the show, and so I, I did a little, <laughs> I did a little few screenshots of some people's posts, and just going to read to you some excerpts that might jog your memory. UMassFan0299 says, I can't decide whether to laugh or cry. Masketball says, <laughs> this is, this is uh, R-rated content right now. I'm going to go masturbate with a razor blade. It's oddly soothing to know that there's a group of emotionally disturbed diehards out there just like uh-huh. me. <laughs> 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 And someone says, "It's the person whose whose screen name is Senior Citizen." This person may not be alive these days because this is eleven years ago. They say, "If you hear that I died of natural causes, don't believe it. It was suicide."
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> after, after, like you said, after those losses that you shouldn't have lost, those those games that got away from you, that's that's when the negativity just spills out. And uh, yeah, yeah, those it, it brings back some memories and, and not some not some fun memories. Obviously, when you win, winning cures all.
0: And that's the magic potion. Um. So have you made a lot of real life sort of in real life friendships through the board and, and take me through any that are, are noteworthy?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a couple of guys that I had met through the board and, uh, we, we ended up meeting up at, at one of the UMass games. I think we played Xavier. I think it was geez in the, the late nineties when Monty Mac was just constantly running through screens and putting up threes and, uh, I can't remember if it was during his time or maybe just after his time, but I think it was a a multi OT game with Xavier. And and anyway, I, I had met one of the guys on the board. I had an extra ticket. He ended up meeting me at the game, and we we got to talking. And I said, "Hey, where were you, you know, living on campus when you were a student?" He's like, "Oh, I lived um, near near Belchertown." And I am like, "Oh yeah, what road?" He's like, "This road called Logtown Road." I am like, "No, sh- no shit! I've lived on Logtown Road." He's like, what number? 140. I lived at 140. And we found out that we lived in the exact same house, just one year apart. So, uh, yeah, that was a guy I, I got a, a good friendship going with and uh, several other guys like that. You know, in the early days when uh, the the band of UMass followers during the, the Bruiser tenure um we went out to road trips together. We ended up going to the a 10 tournament down at the old spectrum in Philly together. And yeah, some of those guys um, I'm still friends with today. Some of which fell off the UMass bandwagon for, for various reasons. Um, But some of those guys, yeah, still in touch with today and, you know, have seen their families come together, their kids being born, their kids are in high school now. And, you know, my family's coming together and, it's, it's crazy. This, this journey that we've gone on all because of our, our irrational love and and fandom of UMass basketball.
0: Who are your all time, some of your all time favorite posters on the board?
2: Uh, there's a guy who goes by the, the name 78. He is a little too passionate sometimes.
0: <laughs> he's on um, Twitter too. He's on yeah, UMass He's Twitter.
2: on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Yep. Yep. And, uh, uh, he's funny, you know, he's a good guy, but, uh, he really lets his emotion get the best of him, especially after a bad loss. Um, he's one that pops to the top of my mind and, uh, the guy old cage, you know, he's, he's definitely yes. one of our senior citizen class, but, uh, yeah, he's been around from the get go and God bless him. He's still going out to campus football,
0: basketball games. Yeah. Some of those guys, um, do you happen to know where uh, frequent poster Berkman's uh, son lives?
2: Yeah, I think it's well established uh, that he's a, a, a resident of the Las Vegas Las Vegas metropolitan area. And uh, yeah, someday when I get back to Vegas, I'll have to meet him and introduce myself. Hey, I I know
0: your old man. Your old man's always telling stories about. Me. <laughs> now, do you do you know um, some of the early some of the characters? On the board, like over the years, do you, do you, were you, have you been surprised that certain people have continued to post? Like, for example, Tom McLaughlin, who posted, who is a former UMass coach briefly in the 80s, head coach, still posts these kind of uh, sort of inscrutable, no space is long posts that are, I, I've sort of jokingly made fun of. They're, they're They're fun, but they tend to be the same thing. But when a guy like that posts, under his own name. Um, first of all, have, were you surprised to see like an ex UMass coach just like taking to the message board and rambling at whatever hour? And second of all, uh, were there ever concerns about verifying someone like that's identity?
2: Yeah, I think I had a couple of those questions, but, you know, when this board came together and the internet became a thing, you know, that's when the coaches knew like I need to maintain a separation from my professional self, you know, versus posting on this thing. I can't remember an instance of one of the active UMass coaches actually posting. You know, we would certainly have offline chats and and chats after a game where I would run into them somewhere. And yeah, they were absolutely aware of the board, but they were never going to get on and post it. But yeah, someone like Tom McLaughlin, I mean, anybody who started following UMass in the nineties would be like, Who the heck is Tom McLaughlin? But yeah, he was a coach for a couple of years when the program was going through some some downtime and some struggles. And uh, you know, to his credit, he's come in and, and shared some good stories. And uh I think one of the old guys who was our, our UMass S I D, uh, he's been on and, and shared some stories from his time and yeah, it's it's been good to hear those guys come in and, and share their perspectives. And I got to know Jack Lehman. Um, had a couple of good chats with him back when he was around and, and the partner on the radio with Bob Beeler. Um, yeah, I, I miss Jack. Jack was always...
0: He was the best. He was always was good best. for
2: a story, especially, I mean, coaching Irving and Patino and uh, Al Skinner, you know, he was obviously great for a, a UMass story
0: as a slight aside as a kid in high school uh as a i was an intern at whmp and i helped one summer uh and and into the fall host the saturday morning sports magazine with bob buehler jack lehman and a guy named bob Flaherty at times so i got to know jack through that and uh he's just the best i mean i i think about him often and he's, he's such such a fixture and around the program for so many years and I still, you know, just consider him such a legend. Yeah. How, has, how has the board changed um, in the light of, in the wake of kind of Twitter and Facebook and other forms of, you know, um, social media?
2: Yeah. I'll tell you just from my own chair is that I've changed just how I use the thing myself. And I'm the, the guy who owns the damn thing. Um, I took a, a really long hiatus from the board over the off season. I mean, when I got this thing going, I was a crazy fan, young, and, and um, between girlfriends, I had a lot of spare time on my hands, and that's where my obsession really created this thing. But as I've gone older and gotten married and have a couple of kids now, and my career has definitely taken a lot more of my time, um, I just don't have the time to to do this thing like I used to. And and it's not that the interest isn't there anymore. It's just you know life has changed life takes you on a different path. But uh, also, like you said, the technology is different. We've got Facebook, we've got Twitter. And I just checked, I launched my Twitter page in December 2010. And you know, now that's where, when I have the time to, to post some UMass stuff, that's where I'm doing it. I'm not even using my own board anymore, which I kind of feel shitty to admit, but um, the technology has shifted you know the board is is a little a little more stale it's it's certainly older technology and it 's not quite as interactive, but in a way it 's still good because you know we've we 've got our profiles and and we 've got the history and we know each other from there and certainly you establish relationships with umass twitter now and and all the guys that you 've known and, and that i 've seen over the years. Um, but yeah, it's, it's changed a lot and, and my usage and my ownership of this thing has, has changed with it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny thinking of, cause like, I don't necessarily, some people use the same name on the board as they do on, on Twitter, but there's, there's a lot of crossover. And so it, sometimes it can be fun to try to, uh, sort of it, it, in, a ner- in a sort of nerdy internet way to kind of guess who's who from the board versus the, but it's also been, I think in a, in a probably a healthy way. For some people who had, you know, there were some serious feuds over the years. For you know, certain people to re, to kind of allow themselves a chance to reinvent themselves to some degree in the yeah in the in the UMass fan sphere. Yeah, yeah. You you mentioned um, doing last now season, but what is what would uh, doing stuff consist of? Is that mostly like the non message board side of things? Cause I know you obviously maintain like all these, you know, great, great resources in terms of like past stats and archives and finding old articles and things like that. When you yeah. say like doing things, what are you referring to?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm a, a nerd and, and I, if I had a, a opportunity to kind of reset my career path, I would love to be an SID in college athletics. Um, doing the media guys and keeping the archives and stuff like that. And that's what, that's what my website has become. So, um, one of the old guys who was a real good partner with me from UMass, Jason Yellen, who has gone on to be one of the assistant, um, commissioners, commissioners with, right? the within big Ten. the big 10. Yeah he's, yeah. he's done very well for himself, but he was a great resource for me. And, uh, he shared my, my passion of, of college athletics and, uh, keeping all the stats in the archives. And you know, there was a time where uh, I went up to campus for a game and, and he was up there in his office in Boyden. And uh he unlocked the the door in the basement for where they stored all the old stuff and and just boxes of copies of press releases and and old pictures and old schedules and you know, for a UMass basketball fans, some of that stuff was like literally going through a gold mine of all this good information. I mean, I saw there was a box of one of the NCAA investigations when they were trying to figure out um, what had gone on with Marcus Canby and the agents and uh, some of the, correspondence that were were going back and forth and the press releases that they were putting out and uh it was interesting going through some of that stuff you know i i don't want to make it sound like more than it was i didn't find any smoking gun but just the archives that they kept was was really fun to go through
0: did you take any of that and then you know scan it and put it on your website
2: yeah i was always asking uh jason or whoever it was who was with me hey is this cool if i I'll take a copy of this and it was always the stuff that they had released in general anyway there was nothing secret but i found um some of the old uh news media releases for when they got letters of intent from lou Rowe, from harper williams from jim mccoy and it was like two paragraphs of information i mean you think about recruiting now there's guys who are looking at guys in middle school and and everything is on you know verbalcommits.com or whatever it is all these different services but you know yeah that's when a two paragraph press release on the signing of jim mccoy was the thing
0: have you learned about you know just like how technology you're not a technologist by training but have you had to learn a lot about the tech side of things um in in kind of maintaining the site
2: a little bit, but not really much. I mean, anybody who goes on the website can see that. Like we said before, it's it's really bare bones. And for me, it's not about the content, but just give people a place to talk about all this uh, shared passion that we have for for UMass athletics. And you know, we've also been blessed with seeing the hockey program finally come around and and be a a power that we always thought it had the potential to be. And, and Football has had their runs from time to time. The the what was it? The '98 national championship. Um, yep. Lacrosse has had their runs. So yeah, it, it's been good to open up the doors to to all UMass athletics.
0: What when's the busiest? What, what's been the busiest stretch for uh, the site? Like I remember, it used to be a big thing. Like people on the site were obsessed with like breaking the record for number of users logged on at one time. So it was like. You know, if somebody got drafted, and everybody would log on, or if it was a new coaching hire. But what what do you think? Like the most, the sort of busiest stretches of time were for the site when it was in its most its glory years.
2: Yeah, I think it always peaked around uh, conference tournament time. Um, Obviously, we went through a real long stretch without making an NCAA tournament appearance, but yeah, it was it was always around when the conference tournament. Uh, games were happening and and when we got bounced whatever round that was that was probably the most active time and and that charlotte game you mentioned um you know that might have been one of the peaks certainly oh god that was such a brutal game
0: um quick story because i just wrote this down that i've never told this story before and i'm just going to give you guys the, the premise of this this when i was a senior in college I took a a screenplay writing class and you had to write a one one act most most screenplays are three acts and you had to write the first act over the course of the semester of a screenplay and you know I'm 21 22 years old and it's like write what you know right that's what it said so lo and behold I wrote this is how much I used to frequent the site I was like what do I even know I'm 21 22 years old I wrote a screenplay, and I've never told this story before. I was going to tell it on Twitter once, and then I forgot to, about the, the the premise of the story was, and I didn't call it UMass Hoops, but I called it like, you know, I don't know what I called it. But basically the premise of the movie was the team is bad. Everyone has their little fan community. We all have our little fan community. The team starts getting good, and a rivals or scout wants to buy it, and you, the, the, the protagonist, wants to preserve it, um, but you don't have the money to pay for the <laughs> what I imagined were the, exor- <laughs> <or> the exor- <laughs> were the exorbitant bandwidth fees. And so we had to find a way to save the site. Meanwhile, if I recall correctly, if oh, I can't remember exactly where it was going, where the story was going, and there's no way I can find this, unfortunately. But there's a there's a love interest involved somehow, and there's like a woman who's like a corporate lawyer who's part of like the fan community somehow, and I believe she is <laughs> an absurd plot twist, like the corporate lawyer working for the rivals or scout that's trying to acquire the site, so she's like torn in all different directions. <laughs> and all I remember, the only other thing about it was that the other. And it's just like the first 10 pages are just this probably terrible banter at a tailgate. And it's like so thinly veiled as UMass. It's like, like it's so clearly UMass, but the script is like, stu- like tailgating on like University Street instead of University Drive or like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's just this like endless dialogue where you're trying to introduce the concept of a message board at a tailgate to an audience that like, you know, because who's reading this, like they're not going to understand this intuitively. And the only other thing I remember was inspired a character. And it was uh rocks 22, who is a uh, fear of the yeah. triangle. Yeah. Uh, the hockey blogger who's been on this program with Bennett before. And that's about all I remember. But I, I never, I have no idea where that screen, I handed it in like, you know, with an hour before it was due, it was like 30 pages. I don't remember how the first act ended. I think the first act ends where they're like, Oh shit! Are we going to be able to save the site? Like fuck, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, tell me, you I got like, an A in this class? I, I think I got like maybe a B plus. I <laughs> I, honestly, I would love to go find the transcript. But um, so that's that's an aside that uh, maybe we can, as a UMass Twitter sphere, recreate that in some sort of crowdsourced fashion. Maybe we have I a love thread, a thread on the board to get the board active again yeah um anything else you want to say about you know just your history with the board things that people might not know missed behind the scenes like just weird quirky stuff
2: i mean it's it's been a fun journey all these years geez it's been a while now when you think back on it like thinking about myself going to games as a freshman as a sophomore i mean i was there back in the day and and part of me is is sad for you know kids who just don't know what that was like. I mean, we see this grainy footage of some of the games from um back in the cage and, and the early days of the Mullen Center when that place was sold out. But when that place was jumping and obviously the cage going there, that was such a good time to be a college athletics fan and hopefully we can get back to, you know, just a taste of that at some point. Obviously it's, it's going to be a dream if we ever get consistent top 10 rankings again. But um, if we can sell that place out, you know, from time to time and get some of that energy back in there. And, you know, we had a, a couple of glimpses of that in the, what was it? The 13, 14 season, when yeah. we made that run again, but you know, McCall is, is bringing the energy and, pipkins is doing his thing and carl pierre is doing their thing and hopefully we can build on that you know we've got one more good year of pip hopefully please pip if you're listening to this stay around don't cash in that transfer year but uh yeah you know if we can get that joint jump and again that's that's pretty special
0: how how closely do you follow the team now
2: So I try to watch whenever I can. And and like I said before, family's different. Job is different. Free time is not what it used to be. But, you know, I'm getting home from work and then it's grab a little something to eat and throw the kids in the bath and get them to bed. And if I'm lucky at at 830, I get upstairs and, oh, there's 10 minutes left in the second half. So can't watch the games like I used to. Uh, But uh, with technology being what it is, you know, we can watch a stream that, uh (laughs) <laughs> back in the day when when ESPN2 was relatively new onto the scene they were one of the first channels that was showing the the scoreboard the active scoreboard on, on they called it the bottom line and yes. at the time if you were not in radio or TV range from you know the local western mass area that was the only way you were getting a live score <laughs> or you so were true. calling a friend who was back in the area tell me the score what's going on
0: there That's used a, to be a guy, yeah. there was a guy, I remember walking along the scores table once at halftime with my dad when I was like nine or 10 and just like talking to the reporters and there's reporters there at that time whose entire job was to call in the score. Yeah, that was his job. Yeah, That was their yep. job. Like, like yep. they would call and they would, they. I mean, if you just imagine, like you talk about like automation and technology and like how it's displaced jobs, there was a, Regular person who would now some of them would call like radio shows, so you, you they probably still have that on, you know, be like six sixty, and it's like we go to and they go to like ten places in like a ten minute stretch, and they'd be like we're live at da da da, like you know, and the score is. To, but sometimes they were just straight up calling it in and putting it on the bottom line. I remember people. True like story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and True I remember, story. and I remember thinking as a kid, like, oh, that's an essential service. Like, absolutely, that's an important job. You know, like, I mean, yeah. it was, it was not even a question as to whether that was necessary or not because people had to get the score. Um, but uh, we have one question from veal Seven. He says, uh, "What is the most fun day in the history of the board?"
2: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, it, geez, it might have been one of the stories that I can remember from not being live on the board at the time, but being with the friends that I had made through the board was 2001 when Bruiser was trying to keep, you know, any semblance of the Calipari era still going and you know Calipari was was a one shot deal i mean let's be real his magic is is going to be <laughs> extremely hard to recreate in the valley again but you know bruiser was was doing the best he could to to maintain that success and you know we can argue about it but he had a a pretty good run he always had a really tough schedule and this was when it what ended up being his last year the 2000 2001 season um, a few guys we met up at the a ten tourney, and I was just looking at this before we came on we uh We had the tourney that year, and oh, I lost my page, but let me get back to it. We ended up playing we were the four seed and we ended up playing Saint Bonaventure, which was the five you know we were both battling in that middle of the pack.
0: This is in Philly.
2: This was in Philly at the Old Spectrum. Yep. So we beat Bonaventure, and then we end up going against number one St. Joe's, who had, I believe, Jameer Nelson was no, on that team.
0: No, uh, he might have been a freshman. He might have yeah. been a freshman.
2: Yeah, yep. But they were the number one seed. Oh, Marvin O'Connor was on that yeah. team. Yeah, he they had really some good. guys. Yeah, yeah we, we beat them in the semis, and it was like at that point we were playing with house money, and we beat yeah, them. We and Lost to Temple in the final. Yeah, forget yeah. That. Me and a couple of the guys, it was like, 2am and we were out downtown philly and we were having so much fun because we were playing with house money and we ended up in the finals the next day against temple um but even a geez, good I, game too yeah we did we hung in right right till the end and geez i don't remember what your question was but you know the thought process starts of your, going one of down. the best
0: days the best days for you and the for the board that's one of the best is a fan it sounds like but were there any It definitely any, is. Yeah. Yeah. Were there um, any in any in terms of like I'm thinking of coaching hires were always It's definitely
2: players. coaching hires. Yeah. So, you like know Like
0: Travis Ford when he Exactly. Left, the right, board was, right it just exploded. I mean, it yeah, just was and, it was insane.
2: And when he was hired um when we heard that he was hired, you know, heard of this guy coming from Eastern Kentucky, young guy, but he had played for Patino and the Patino connection and um, I think I was there at the cage that same day. You know, you mentioned Travis Ford walking out in the cage for his press conference. I was there too with, with a couple of the, the guys from the board. And yeah, when, when Travis Ford was announced, that was really exciting. When he was flirting and, and finally accepted that Oklahoma State job, that was a really active day for the wrong reasons. Oh man, because he threw out the part for that. Yep,
0: yep. He turned Um, on Providence, and yeah, and 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 he went from like he went from beloved for saying he was committed to UMass. Oh, I'd love to find those threads to just like absolutely excoriated, including by me. I mean, within yeah,
2: um, me too. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's I mean that's the fun thing too is like with the board is like I I think the best thing about a message board because I remember used I used to feel like what is this? This is such a waste of my time, like oh, what yeah. am I doing here? Yeah. Everybody sort of has those doubts and you're like, eh, you don't you want to sort of introduce yourself. I mean, eventually you start introducing yourself at games by your username and that's when you really know you've you've gone, you've crossed the line. Yep. Um, and you just like got to accept it or, or, you know, get off. Um, I was at a urinal in the bowels <laughs> of the, in the bowels of the, no pun intended, of the Smith Center at GW. And this guy, like we were just sort of like looking at each other before we pissed and he's got like old school UMass merch. This is probably like 2011, 2012, something like that. And he's looking at me and and I just kind of, I just say my, my handle name and he's like, Oh, hey, he's like, I'm, a, I'm actually just a lurker, which is fitting because we were pissing. But, um, <laughs> he's like, I'm just a lurker, but, uh, I enjoy your posts and then, you know, insert the name of, of my handle. And, and like that's when you really know you. Gone overboard, but yep. I don't. Yep. I don't even remember why I, I how I got onto that that point. But um, yeah, so certainly coaching hires are, are always crazy, and then sometimes there's there's big upsurges. I feel like during recruitment of like certain players, where we're always hoping there's that one K A E O thread keeping an oh, yeah. eye on. Yeah, where how
1: did how did some of this
0: language even kind of? I mean, there's a whole dialect of of yeah. you know, I, like i don't i don't know if kaeo is a thing on
2: other boards really i don't know yeah the, it, it could be our own thing but yeah what the hell does kaeo stand for and Keep, as, keeping, as, an, as all, keeping an eye on i think right? yeah as, as we all kind of figured it out ask the author well, i'm sorry what do you mean by this but yeah keeping an eye on and you're right i don't know if that's a thing anywhere else but yeah following recruits and uh coaching hires and coaching changes and um, I wish we had had more of these, but uh, 2014, you know, when we found out what seed we were for the NCAA tournament, you know, that was just a few years ago. That's when Twitter was really active. UMass Twitter group was was starting to become a thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always those, those immediate events that people can react to, you know, a, a big win or a tough loss. That's when all of us are coming together.
0: So before we sign off, anything you want to plug? I know you mentioned off the air earlier today, you might be doing some updates to the site or, you know, just anything you want to, you want to shout out or, you know, uh, mention. Uh,
2: Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. No, it's, it's really, I'm trying to keep it up in, in some degree, but, um, the current form of, of the website, not just the, the board, but, you know, where I'm keeping all the old game scores and, and, rosters and such there's been a guy who's been helping me do that and i honestly can't remember what his real name is but that's not the point but he goes he goes by umass 82 on on the website and he's been helping me keep it up so that you know if it wasn't for him this this page would still look like it did from this past
0: march so when you say keeping it up you're, you're you're referring to what exactly what does that entail
2: uh, getting the roster updated. You know who are these new walk-ons? I'm looking at this guy like who's right. the twin of Kieran Hayward on the bench there? Yeah, what so,
0: is that kid's name from Albany, upstate
2: New York? Yeah, I don't even know. But you know, oh. to to my friend UMass '82, his credit, he's he's keeping that roster updated. He's keeping the scoreboard going. And obviously, you know, there's tons of other places to see where the roster is and see what the scoreboard is. But I keep this sucker going to to see. Hey, what did we do in '96? And it's actually, you know, one final story that I'll tell you is a few years ago, Calipari um, posted a tweet where he took a screen grab of my website and the 95, 96 non-conference schedule. And he posted it on Twitter. And I saw this and I shit my pants figuratively, but um, I'm like, that's my freaking website that he just tweeted about. And, and he was talking about the the crazy hard non-conference schedule that we played in 95 96 and that was so much fun to see in, in the hobby that i do and and here's a guy who's making multiple millions of dollars flying on private jets going to get mcdonald's all americans left and right and putting guys in the nba and, and you Came know, on he, the he show. is looking Came exactly yeah, I, I heard the pod and and he's looking at my website too so that was a lot of fun
0: he should have given he should have given you a little credit he should have given a little hat tip yeah yeah we figured it out but yeah that was a a fun um so anything you want to tout or or you know are you going to be at any games this year so people can maybe meet you or say hello
2: uh i wish we were playing fordham again that's the the closest one to where i live and work these days but you know probably next year it looks like we'll do that one and Hey who knows if we make, you know, a game or two run in the A10 tourney, maybe I'll meet you
0: down in Brooklyn this year. Yeah, I was going to say you could you could get down there on You your young your your boy is what like 9 now? 8 Yeah,
2: my my guy's 9 and 5 uh took him to the Mullins a couple seasons ago and uh he went with me to to Quinnipiac last year. We 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 blew that one and my my son is beating himself up because he's 0 and 2 in in live UMass games. So, well, that's, uh... yeah, we got to find a winner. <laughs>
0: Welcome welcome to uh to our reality, Exactly. Yep. Do your kid? actually that's a good question. Do your kids slash your wife, like what are what are their takes on this whole thing? Do your kids get it at all or not really?
2: They certainly get it. I mean, my my kid has asked me, Hey, how many followers do you have on Twitter? I'm How the hell do you know this? You're in fourth <laughs> grade. <laughs> now it's amazing how quickly they're picking up this stuff from their friends. But yeah, um when I have a game on, they're always watching with me and it's fun to hear my five year old cheer for Pipkins and, and Holloway. It's it's been a blast to to see them come along and try to adopt some of my fandom. And did your
0: wife go to UMass?
2: Uh no, we met well after school, but uh she has been good and uh she's she's tolerated my hobby slash obsession sometimes. But yeah, she's uh she's been supportive of doing what I do, much like uh Mrs. Sage, I imagine.
0: Uh yeah, for the most part. <laughs> Um, anyway, great having you. If there's anything else you want to, you want to tout, do it now. And, uh, just w- actually, I keep thinking of other things. Do you think, um, the fans on the board are even aware that a lot of the conversation has migrated to Twitter? Cause I feel like so if I was on there, I, you know, I'd, I'd want to be like weird. You know, there used to be 350 posts after a game. Now there's, ninety eight and it's not because people aren't talking about it, it's just cause it's largely on Twitter. Do you yeah. think some of the old timers are even cognizant of where the the action is
2: now? There's a few old timers that definitely are. I think old Cage, I mean
0: this yeah, gentleman. He, old Cage uh, he just hopped onto Twitter recently. He's well
2: into his seventies. He's maybe flirting with eighty, but yeah, he's on Twitter. So I mean, oh, uh old people are killing Twitter now. So No, and I'm uh, waiting for the day when we
0: see Berkman on Twitter, definitely. (laughs) That'll be the day. Uh, (laughs) Okay, Mike, thanks for coming on, and uh, maybe we'll touch base at some point again soon, but appreciate you taking us down memory lane here. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. See ya. It's time for Sam the Mailman, your UMass Athletics Mailbag Updates. All right. Tyler O'Day works at Barstool, UMass alum. Do you support a movement to rename McGurk to Walt Bell Field? You know, I don't know the history regarding Warren McGurk, the namesake of that shithole venue. I'm looking at so. it. I'm going to say, I think he was a coach in the 40s. Maybe. Uh, I'm going to say no, because Walt Bell hasn't actually coached a game.
1: Warren McGurk was the Dean of the School of Physical Education and Director of Athletics from 1948 to 1971.
0: Yeah, Warren P. McGurk had quite, was it is it Warren P. McGurk? Yes. Yeah, he had quite a run at UMass, a uh, successful tenure, so no. Uh, and then... You know, there's, there's people who listen to this program who were UMass students during that era. Um, he
1: was also so, a right tackle for Providence in 1929 and 1930.
0: That's wild that Providence had a football team.
1: They, oh, sorry. That, that was a pro team called the Providence Steamrollers. Excuse me.
0: That's a dope name, by the way. Yeah. And where do you go to college? Uh,
1: I am trying to pull it up. Uh, BC. So never mind. No, get, get rid of it. You can change the name.
0: Wait, he went to B.C.? Yeah.
1: What the fuck? Change Warren McGurk went change to Boston name. College? Yeah, no. Get get rid of it. Get rid of it today. We're wow, done. Wow, what a fucking disaster. Anyway,
0: um, if Walt Bell goes like six and six, sure, let's change it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> low bar. No, I mean, it's funny, though, with Walt Bell, right? Because I've, I've, I've referred to him as Matthew McConaughey. He is – I mean, he is straight out of central casting. It's it's almost comedic in nature when you when you listen to this guy give an answer and watch him the way he presents himself it's you're like this is not a real person this is someone who was created in hollywood to be a college football coach it's just like there's not there's no daylight between the sort of fictional archetype that we think of when we think of college football coach and walt bell the actual person like he may not be a person like there may have been so, like you know scientists in a lab somewhere just like <laughs> tweaking subtly and being like oh we'll get you a football coach and it's like here's Wall Bell now i've loved that and i think college football it, it has space uh, a galore for that exact type of 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 prototype but i want to say and i think it's going to be great for selling the program for recruiting for getting fans bought in he's young he's got great energy he's got incredible one-liners and and you know philosophy and a good story and blah, blah blah but the reality is like still gotta win football games i don't you just i don't care if bill belichick's the coach he's gotta win football games you know and we and he hasn't done that yet and that's no he can't he hasn't coached a game yet so before we you know i think everyone should buy season tickets i'm all in blah 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 uh, do that before the 19th, by the way, if you want to be eligible for prizes. Um, so we're, record- we're recording this on 17th. so And it's going
1: gonna, it's gonna to be out tonight.
0: Okay. So do that tomorrow um, or today, whenever you're listening to it. Um, it's like 50 bucks per ticket, I think. So... Uh, yeah. Like, let's not get carried away with renaming shit until he actually proves himself on the field. Well, not proves himself on the sideline, I guess. Uh, John Rajkula asks about Luan Pipkins's NBA potential. So, I, John, by the way, I think a first time, uh, a first yeah, time I don't uh, question. Him. Good. He's a, he's a, it. it looks like he's a He's a class of 20 UMass student. By the way, I'm telling you, UMass hockey's success has been a boon to my own follower count and this program. Like, I just think that that's what happens when a team is good. People just get more intrigued by UMass athletics in general. And so I think it's weird because this is an instance in which the football team with the new hire as well as the hockey team with its top ranking have actually just gotten people more interested in umass athletics in general and i think i've our, our, our podcast has been the beneficiary of that um it's, it's so age.
1: you, you want to feel old sure class of 2020 was not born when umass was in the final four or it was it in the just final four born? yeah they would have just been no they wouldn't have
0: six. no those kids are those kids were like four years
1: no not in the final four cuz like, i would i would years. i was turning 3 Graduating this
0: year, so it's like
1: i was turning we were three. born
0: after the final four yeah so i've already made my peace with that
1: okay yeah you're old you're old
0: sage uh Rajkula's question was uh pip's nba potential uh you know i haven't i don't watch enough nba these days to understand the skill set precisely well enough to make that assessment uh, you know I think a guy like Trey young from Oklahoma is obviously kind of like the what a pip would you know in a, in a perfect dream world would aspire to be he gets in the lane did so against Providence gave me some encouragement on that front I was like boy maybe he could be but he's gotta you know, you, and, and I did start thinking that that sort of step-back, one-legged, um, you know, mid-range difficult shot. I almost taking that to impress scouts because you watch highlights of the kid from Dallas, um, Luka Doncic or whatever. And you see, and, and, and just other guys, Kyrie, and they, they do that. And you're like, because it's, it's like, it's a strange thing that he would be taking some of those shots. I'm not saying he's thinking like about the pros in that moment. But I do think, you know, you, you work on certain skills and that's one of them that NBA point guards possess. The thing is, I don't know if Pip has the ball handling skills to be a point guard and he's too small to play off the ball. But I think he can get a shot. I definitely do. And I think if he can work on his shot even more this season and really become lights out from deep, there's always a chance. Um... But it's tough. It's an uphill battle, and it's tough, especially for someone that size. But he's got the heart of a champion, so who knows? Um, the White Walker says, since we are so young and most all of our the guys returning, how does it affect our space for re- new recruits? Well, first, I would reject the premise that we're so young. We We have a lot of guys who are playing their first competitive basketball this year for UMass, but... Jonathan Lorenz in his fourth year, you know, uh, on a college campus, he played two years in the Big Ten. Um, you know, Clairgo played a year at Memphis, sat out a year. Uh, Kieran Hayward, who isn't really playing much, played played a bit at LSU. And then you have Curtis Cobb, who played two seasons at Fairfield, played a ton of minutes. So we're not that young. Um, but you are correct that we 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 don't have much room for new recruits because Rashawn Holloway the only guy whose eligibility expires at season's end so that's tricky because we've already we've talked about this some on the show we've already over- recruited for next year we have three scholarships and we only one guy we're losing so that means two guys are gone and i don't need to speculate on this show i think you can look at who's playing and who's not and that should prove you know to be an indicator it's also possible that uh, a guy like laurent or pip god forbid or um, even Cobb could transfer and play somewhere else there for their fifth year if they've graduated. So that's something to be cognizant of as, as Malik Hines did this past year. I don't think anyone really expected that. Um, but uh, you know, since we're so young, so I don't, I like the notion that we're so young and, um, but you know, how does it affect our space for new recruits? Well, we can't recruit unless we, you know, are making very clear to other guys that they're gone. There are, two guys on the roster i'm thinking of and maybe not the same as others are thinking of that i don't expect to be here next year uh one in particular is i think very obvious uh but other than that it'll be um c lasalle07 says is it just me or has this team had a lot of unforced errors like stepping out of bounds on corner threes or on rebounds you know it always feels that way with the team you follow closely. I think because you are so hyper cognizant of the things they fuck up on, and certainly that was the case in the second half of the Temple game. But I am going to have to watch some tape in the next week or two before conference play starts and really get a handle of things because I just think these games happen, and then you know we talk about them, and but you know maybe it's because I am watching them on my phone, but it's like I I gotta like look at the stats, I gotta watch some some of the tape. I think there were a lot of unfairs against inferior teams early on because of the way that those teams tried to manage tempo, where they wanted to slow things down and bunch things up and make. But then you watch other college country, and it, it's unclear to me if that's terribly unique to to us, you know. So I'll have to. Uh, we got to get Cal back on because not Cal Perry, but Andrew Callagy to dis- well- discuss to discuss this a bit because um, he'll have interesting stuff to allude to from like Ken Palm tempo stats type entities. Um, But yes, certainly in the last game um, and it does feel like we lose off rebounds. I've always said that. So I mean, it could just be a function of fandom. Alex Silva, Marshmont underscore 63 friend of the show, former guest, Graduating from Boston College, I believe, in the next week or so. This is in the last semester. So it's not sure if you guys answered my question last time or not. So if you did, just ignore it. Question for Bennett, because everyone knows Sage's answer. If UMass could be elite in either basketball or football, which would you prefer? Assume they're average in the other. By the way, this is going to be a really hot take. Well, he says assume they're average in the other. My whole thing is, it might actually be football because I think I think an elite football program brings in so much buzz and and revenue that it makes it easier to be an elite basketball program. At least at a school like UMass, it's not the case at an Alabama or an Auburn that, that where football's so dominant. I think that would be really helpful for UMass. And I just think the atmosphere around college football is fucking awesome. So. Sure. on this question i'm a bigger basketball fan for sure but in terms of you know what would be good for umass it might be uh fo- football but bennett what's your answer
1: um i was thinking about this i saw the question i actually saw it last week and didn't think about it um probably football uh just because if nothing else i've seen the team go to the tur- the end basketball team go to the tournament I've now seen the hockey team at number one, and I have not seen an elite UMass football team. Um, My freshman year was their last 1AA uh, season also, and generally I don't really give a shit. Like I know the 98 1AA was important and all that, and was it 2000-whatever when they made the finals? That's great. Uh, I don't really care about 1AA. So an FBS team, like an FBS top 10 UMass program – would be unbelievable, and I think also uh, if they were elite the next two years or whatever, uh, we would be in a conference, and we would be in a better conference in the A-10 with our basketball program being in a better conference in the A-10. I think the football team being elite would only help the basketball program.
0: That's what I'm saying as well. But he says assume they're average
1: in the other. Well, so but under that. But right. But I, they can be bad. I don't care. If we're an amazing football program, the AAC will come calling. Like, period. If you're an independent football program with an incredible football team, like Notre Dame, whatever. But you will get an offer to join a conference.
0: Real talk.
1: Not a ton of questions tonight, but we'll get more
0: coming up. For uh, our next episode, hopefully, after we've got another game under the belt, and hopefully we'll have Georgia guest on and should be back here, uh, let's say, middle of next week, and maybe take, you know, take Christmas off. Everybody have a great holiday. Maybe we'll do something in between if we can, but oh, maybe we'll get Freddie Riley on.
1: Yeah, that, we should that'd be a great holiday treat.
0: Um, all right. As Cal would say, love you. Peace.